You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome back to Shot of History. I'm Stephanie. I am the color man, Big Dev. T. I'm Allie. I'm Melissa. I'm Calvin. And I'm Dave. He was going. Are you though? It seemed like you took a minute to figure out. I I did. Sorry, my phone was ringing, and I was trying to figure out if it was somebody I had to answer or not. I'm Sir David of Ellington. (laughs) Sir Osis of Liver. He was just buffering. It's fine. (laughs) He's got some lag. Yeah. Yeah. One of the great things about doing these on Zoom, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, welcome back, everyone. Today, Ellie is going to be the historian. Uh, But before we get started, as we do, raise your glasses, people, and get ready to hear some history. Hooray! I'm not looking forward to this one. Oh, there he is. Nice, Cal. (laughs) There he is. There's the bland boy. (laughs) What what was that, Dad, that you weren't looking forward to? Uh, Benchmark uh, old number eight. It's Buffalo Trace's... Uh, ten dollar version of Jack Daniels, and it is oh, not not good as one would expect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm doing the uh, I'm doing the, the yeah, McAllen Highland single malt Scotch whiskey, twelve year double cask again. Noise. I'm doing grapefruit juice from Aldi. Yes, yes. I got never heard of it. I mean, we're taking earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've moved on to a strawberry lemonade sparkling ice. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, you fancy. Lemonade. I know, I'm getting fancy up in her. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just feel like our, our, our listenership's going to fall off at this point. Like, you know, hey, it was cool. They used to be drunk when they were doing this. <laughs> now they're drinking grapefruit juice and sparkling lemonade. I think I heard hey. someone was on a cleanse. <laughs> I mean, January episodes always suck. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm doing dry January. I will be back to my drunken idiot self next month. Okay. Just promises, promises. Let's all hold her. you to that. We're going to hold you to it. Okay. No problem. <laughs> hold me to it. All right, Ellie, what are we talking about today? Well, today, I thought I'd go back to my roots as the quote music guest, sort of, um, <laughs> and talk about. A composer named Hector Berlioz. Um, he was a French composer, and I mentioned him back in episode nineteen or twenty. Um, one of those was about um, ja- uh, lesbian jazz singers. Yes, I love that episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was so good. And the other one was just I like... I love that episode as well. I mean, nothing about the jazz really got to me. It was really more how free they were. <laughs> yeah. Who they are. Yes. 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 Um, but the other one I mentioned Hector Berlioz in, um, and I just mentioned a whole bunch of little classical music snippets. Um, so I figured I would dive back into it because Hector Berlioz was a little bit nutso. Um, so Hector, um, <laughs> the most French name, you know, Hector. It's super French. You knew yeah. he was French as soon as you heard that. <laughs> ah, yes, Hector. Um, he was born in 1803 and he died in, ni- in 1869. And everyone just said, nice. <laughs> a very nice. nice. Uh, <laughs> a very nice. nice. <laughs> 
Um, and he was a French romantic era composer and conductor. So the classical era of music, we tend to branch a specific like orchestral music and piano music under classical, but that's not really all that it is. There's different eras within it. Right. So just like in the arts, in, in art, you have classical and romantic art you have uh, and modern art and everything. Um, the classical era was all about sort of, it was restrained. It was delicate. It was very focused on the ideal beauty. Um, but that led into the Romantic era. Um, in 1805, Beethoven wrote the Eroica Symphony. Don't mispronounce that one. Um, <laughs> and it was very uh, passionate and like extreme dynamic changes and how loud and quiet and fast, everything. And it was a little too extreme for people at the time. And it's pretty tame by today's standards. But back then it was like, whoa, now there's too much going on here. On a scale of like Beethoven to WAP, was it like? <laughs> <laughs> it was Beethoven's WAP. Fun fact, Beethoven's you have there no There you go. <laughs> or wet ass P So his, uh, that was his third symphony. Um. So the fifth by the fifth symphony, he was just like going with it by then. Um, so, but anyways, romantic era was all about showing strong emotion through music, starting to be more extreme and more memorable um, with sometimes more interesting titles, especially by the time Berlioz came around rather than, oh yes, symphony number 12 and uh, string quartet number three. Just there was, there's more stuff, more, more inventive titles. Like, you know, Mambo um, number five. Let me pause you for a second. You, let me pause you for a second since you're, you're, you're the music major in the room. Uh, is that any different than today? So you'll have an artist come out with an, you know, an album that is genre defining. And then like by episode, not episode five, by album five, they're just phoning it in. Uh, do you feel like that was kind of what happened with the, with composers back in the day? Um, I think with some, and with, with some of them, Yes. I am going to, it tells me that my internet connection is unstable. So I am going to, it just let me know if anything happens and I will try to connect to a hotspot on my phone. Um, but it, with some composers, it was more than others. Um, some composers, it was, they wrote their biggest thing and then it sort of trailed off from there. And that was sort of the case with Berlioz. He had like two big hits, um, and that was pretty much it. Um, he wrote like there were there were other pieces that he wrote that he was really trying, but nobody was really buying. Um, thanks. Yes, that's great. Um, so by the time Berlioz was composing, the Romantic era was in full swing, and Berlioz is often thought of as the most romantic of the composers, and by that I mean the most emotionally unstable. Um, so a little bit about his backstory. Um, he was the oldest son of a doctor, so he was expected to follow in medicine. Um, his father was a progressive doctor and he was the first, he's credited as the first European to practice and write about acupuncture. I thought that was interesting. Um, 
and his dad homeschooled him. There was, he gave him no musical instruction except some basics on the flagiole, which is a predecessor, or which is a type of instrument similar to, guess, guess what kind of instrument it's similar to? Bagpipes. What's an, what's an instrument that elementary students often learn? Oh, a recorder. As a child who is trapped at home during all of this nonsense with a recorder, I would just like to point out that they could have replaced the treadmill as a torture device from our last episode with putting a child with a recorder in the room with them. I'd like to apologize. I actually bought I, I Olivia and o- me both recorders. So I'd like to apologize. I definitely overshot with my, uh, with my thought that it was the bagpipe. Uh, definitely, <laughs> obviously, it's something you don't want to be stuck at home with with an eighth grader is the bagpipes. But yeah. the recorder is much more reasonable answer. To Those that things question. are super loud indoors, man. Super mm-hmm. loud. Ooh. Uh, um, so <laughs> he actually said later in life that learning the flagiole instead of learning the keyboard at home. It, quote, saved me from the tyranny of keyboard habits, so dangerous to thought, and it saved me from the lure of conventional harmonies. Okay, dude, calm down. Pretentious much? So, <laughs> right? I bet the government was also like, yeah. the game of chess is making children violent. <laughs> I feel like this is his excuse. Devil's work. I feel like this is his excuse for being terrible at foreplay. He just didn't know what to do with his fingers. Like that's. <laughs> exactly. He wasn't nimble enough. Right. To, you know, you learned the piano. Like. No. <laughs> so when he was twelve, he had a big old crush on his eighteen-year-old neighbor, and uh, at least it wasn't a cousin. And- <laughs> We don't know that yet. I was going to say, shocker, it was. It was not. Under years. Information we have on her is not related. Okay. Um, Okay. But he poured all of his unrequited feelings into his earliest attempts at composing. And then, of course, just like you do when you're looking at embarrassing things that you wrote when you were 12, he destroyed them all when he he just (laughs) destroyed and burned them all. So he got rid of his little emo poem book. Because I understood that anything I was writing, I would look back on as an adult and be like, man, I was stupid. I didn't write (laughs) anything down. Write nothing down. So he went to medical school in Paris because that's what he was expected to do. He basically stuck out medical school, um, which he started, which he graduated from that in 1824. Um, But when he was in medical school, he basically stuck it out because he had a big allowance from daddy. And um, that helped him check out all the great music and culture that was in Paris. So he was totally that spoiled rich bitch who... (laughs) Hey, ladies, I got a big allowance. (laughs) Did not not want to be there, but was just... I'm assuming everyone hated him. Yeah. Probably. Um, Probably. I mean, mean, he he sounds like that that kind of guy. Pretentious white dude. Yeah. yeah. But then he could be like, hey, you should like me because my dad has money. (laughs) Right. But, But the fact that someone could do that back then lets me know that gold diggers exist in every single generation. 
Every single I'm one. Sure. Every single one. Yeah. Forsooth, I had I hesitate to sit, to proclaimeth that she a gold digger. However, <laughs> I ought not saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but she aren't missing. That was by Kanye <laughs> Westinghouse. When I am in needed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, all right, Ellie. Keep going. Power through. Power through. So when he graduated, They're really in, hard to ignore. Now, he graduated in 1824 and decided, nope, I'm not going to go into medicine. I just, you know, got the degree, and you know, no one was surprised. But his parents were really pissed at him. Um, so his dad tried to get him to go into law, and he was like, No, nah, Dad, I want to be a composer. Dad. <laughs> Oh, man. I just oh, want to dance. You just don't understand me. Oh. Yeah. Don't get it. That was exactly it. Put on some black eye. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, meanwhile, he still had no way of just making his own money. So his dad was still sending him money. But sometimes his dad would reduce or withhold his money. So sometimes he had financial hardship. Oh, yeah. I get a job. To, I couldn't go to Starbucks this morning. I had to go to the Speedway. <laughs> so, fact, Speedway actually has really good coffee. That's, that's, yeah, actually, that's yeah. they have really good they coffee. Do. Of that. You can make your own, too. Like, I see the long know, line, lines at Starbucks, and I'm like, why, yeah. though? So he was stuck going to the Parisian Speedway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he... he took a, a couple years, two years writing some music and he mostly like either stashed it away somewhere or destroyed it. One of them, one of the pieces that he wrote um, in these two years was just discovered in 1991 for the first time, um, which seems like 10 years ago. No, it was 20 years ago now. Oh, God. Right? You shut up. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> friends don't do that to friends. We think about the year 2000. <laughs> Oh like, no! Thirty that 30, years ago. Thirty years ago. Like, what are you talking about? That was thirty yeah, years ago. Yeah, that's so <laughs> oh god! Dude. Dang. I, just, uh, I know. I know. We're old. Oh my god! We're pretty soon. We're going to be doing like. Uh, can I do a shot of history episode about the eighties? For the love of Christ! Like I feel like. <laughs> yeah, you I feel like you could because like what the the stations that play like classic twenty five years. Or, yeah, they're they're playing Soundgarden and Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> Listen to these golden I'm oldies. Like, Stop. <laughs> Is on Nick at night. Let's just be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. TV land, whatever they call it now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, finally, in 1826, after two years of just fucking around, um, he started studying at the conservatory, and he immediately started submitting pieces for the next four years for the Prix de Rome, which was a competition for French composition students, and they sent them to Rome, and they could stay there for two weeks, and they would play their pieces and yeah he didn't win um for four years um once he did win it was with a piece that he was writing during the uh revolution of 1830 and he was largely apolitical because of course he was um (laughs) he just happened to finish it during that time and wrote some stupid entry in his diary about how he could hear the shots. And when, when all the shots had subsided, then he could go outside with his pistol. And then he won the Prix de Rome with his stupid piece that he wrote for that. Um, Lame. Yeah. 
So, which by the way, there are already shitty composers writing pieces about uh, inspired by the insurrection. Oh, oh my, of oh course man. there are. 2021 is going to be so great. It's so <laughs> bad, man. Zimmer is going to be lit this year. I'm just telling oh. you right now. Man, we're going to get a new Star Spangled Banner out of this. This is great. <laughs> Please, we, we actually already need a Star Spangled Banner, a new yeah. rendition. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't true. think we want it from uh, the people that are in memorializing uh, last Wednesday. Brought to you by Colin <laughs> oh. All right. So one of his pieces that he submitted for the Prix de Rome was rejected because the judges felt it betrayed dangerous tendencies, <laughs> which is like, again, it's like saying this rock music makes you sound unstable. Right. So I mean, in 18- you listen to some rock music. <laughs> so a year after he started at the conservatory, um, his second year there, 1827, he saw, this is a life-changing moment for him. Okay. This is where the story goes from fine to like, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> he saw productions of Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet. And it started the greatest obsession of his life with the lead actress, Irish actress, Harriet Smithson. These performances were in English. He did not speak any English, but he was <laughs> fucking obsessed with Harriet Smithson. He pursued her for several years obsessively and like wrote her notes and wrote her poetry and wrote her music. And she refused to meet him because he was the like obsessive stalker fanboy. Um, he wrote, um, he wrote a piece about her that became his most famous orchestral work Symphony Fantastique. Ooh, fancy um, name. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic symphony, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, it's regarded as the first piece of program music, so music that tells a story, um, because he included notes in the program, literally, that explained what was happening during each movement. There's five movements. He was on a lot of opium when he wrote it. <laughs> um, Surprise! Yeah, and, you said uh, he was Parisian. Of course, he was. <laughs> and it's basically about it's like this self-insert OC about this like poet who becomes obsessed with this woman and goes to a ball and sees her, and then he's he does a lot of opium, and then he, like, gets arrested and is marched, like, dreams that he's, like, he's going to the scaffold to be hanged, but then he has another vision of a witch's Sabbath, and the girl he's obsessed with is dancing with the devil, and there's the Dies Irae, and it's the fir- one of the first times the Dies Irae do-do-do-do-do-do-do is used in music to like represent death or the devil and it's really fucking trippy i really love the way that you were explaining all that that voice you used was very good (laughs) i feel like i was there i also now want to do opium like (laughs) let's do this don't do opium (laughs) that voice really put me in the place to do some opium i know (laughs) i'm ready call it my opium voice there we go (laughs) christ so, um, at least opium. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, he wrote this piece and, uh, he premiered the, uh, so earlier in the year, in December of 1830, 
he premiered that piece. Earlier in the year, he fell in love with a 19-year-old pianist, Marie, who was also known as Camille. We can't say that. We can't say that word. <laughs> pianist? <laughs> yes. By the way, okay, so here's, here's the funny thing. I love you. That's actually a throwback to the old show Animaniacs. Yeah. So they said pianist. They said, oh, yeah, right. We can't That's say that. Right. We can't say that. It's a children's show. <laughs> That's right. Good. Good callback. Thank you for calling that out. <laughs> um, so her name was uh, Marie, and but she was also known as Camille. So we'll call her Camille. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I'm assuming it's Mocha. M-O-K-E, because she was also Belgian. Um, So he fell in love with her, and they got engaged. And then, later in the year was when he organized, it was when a concert happened of Symphony Fantastique, which is about his obsession with Harriet Smithson, this other Mm -hmm. Irish actress. (laughs) I don't know if Camille was like, Oh, cool. Writing a song about another woman. Or if she was like, oh my God, it's about me. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I I have a feeling she was more like, am I the side bitch? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's a wrap for part one of this episode. Make sure you pay attention and grab part two as well. 